assembled to celebrate our 77th annual High Key Games. Today, we have district... What district? What district is this? We are We're in, in the Hunger Games universe. Texas is underwater. Oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> of global warming. What a bummer. I could see it happening. At least like half of Texas. Because it's that coastal plain oh, sure. that could get flooded. It's like already below Maybe, sea level. Yeah, the Hunger There should Games. be like a Texas version of Hunger Games. No, gross. Texas rendition. Yeah, never mind. I was like, is Westworld kind of like Hunger Games? I feel like there's some That's interesting to parallels. think about, for sure. I didn't expect that, but... So we're actually not doing high-key games, but rather <laughs> we are covering the Hunger Games. Dun dun dun! We we don't have any music for that. Say your say your line, what your favorite line? line that you keep saying. Oh, okay. Now. And, okay, may the odds. <laughs> you don't really. Know. Oh, I was praying you would finish it for me because <laughs> okay. I can't remember exactly. Okay. So, may the odds. Try again. Oh. <laughs> what? Try again. Take I, three. <laughs> yeah. Okay. May the odds be ever in your favor. See, I was saying be forever in your favor, <laughs> and it's like. How could it be forever if you die? <laughs> but it's ever. Be ever in your favor. Yeah. I'm grateful. I feel like the odds have been in my favor to have met you Aww. and be able to do a podcast with you. I mean, how cool is that? That's sweet. <laughs> so today we are covering the Hunger Games here on Heike Book Club. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Cameron. No, that's that's not the intro oh, at all. I'm Cameron. No, just, well, you stole it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, in case you didn't know, this is High Key Book Club, where we cover movies and TV shows. I'm Cameron. And I'm Zeleni. And today we are covering The Hunger Games. Yeah. Which I've been talking about for a while, covering. You've referenced. Yeah, because Thanksgiving, I feel like I would always go see <laughs> the sequel Oh, I thought you were going to be like, Thanksgiving is the Hunger Games. No, gross. <laughs> I just think of it around Thanksgiving. Because that's when you had saw the sequel? Mm-hmm. It was, always like, it was always like premiering as like the Thanksgiving weekend. I remember thing. that. Yeah. I remember that. I think actually I may have went to a Hunger Games movie on a Thanksgiving day. It was probably Mockingjay part one or two. I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain that I went to go see, you know, I went by myself. <laughs> Oh, In fact, I remember something weird happening when I went to go see Mockingjay, one of them, uh, and it was at this one that I'm thinking about, is they had, and this was kind of my first time to experience market research, kind of, but I remember the movie theater had some sort of representative, and I didn't know if it was a third party or they were contracted by the movie theater, they were part of the movie theater, but it was somebody's job to come in and actually measure the audience's responses to all of the trailers before the movie and it was like after each trailer or even at each trailer he was taking note of when people laughed and what the response sounded like afterward i had asked him oh you just saw him like writing yeah because he did he say something (laughs) no no no. i was sitting down below in like the second row Mm -hmm. so i was sitting kind of low and isolated and nobody else was on that row and he came and sat down right at the edge of the row. Very like, I think there was only one seat maybe right between us. And I just saw him like writing notes. And he looked like somebody who was very observant and taking notes of what was happening because mm-hmm. uh, he was just in that zone. So I got curious and asked um, like, you know, 
uh, you know, what are you, what are you doing that for? <laughs> and, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, or I think that I had just figured it out. I was like, are you, are you taking note of the audience response? He's like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and then he like explained it. That's weird. Yeah, I've never seen that before. Right. Yeah. And it just, I think it's a way to help those people project what the opening weekends and sales right. are going to, going to be like and whether or not they need to change up their trailers. Anyways, I just remember it was interesting uh, to witness and that happens. We're being measured by our responses to trailers. How dare they? They're collecting data on <laughs> everything. Of course. So we're doing the Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah. Do so you, I have a long history with the Hunger Games. You read the books? I read the books. I read them very early on before they were like a big thing. Is it Suzanne Collins? Yeah. Not to be confused with like the senator or some government person called Susan Collins. Oh. See, someone at NDC. Please don't confuse her with that. But yeah, so written by Suzanne Collins. And there wasn't a second book yet. So I, I was very much like, I read it early on and then I was following every update with it. You know, like new book release or new movie. I was always following it kind of close. As it was coming out? So the reason I found out about it is because Stephanie Meyer, you Who's know, that? the author of Twilight. Oh, right. Okay. She posted about it on her blog. You followed her blog? <laughs> of and, course. And you, <laughs> of course. <laughs> claro. <laughs> and you saw her shout out. Yeah. Wow. She was like, I can't stop reading this book. I took it. I don't know if it was Spawn. Now looking back, I'm right. like, was it Spawn? It probably was. I mean, everybody's she, scratching everybody's back. Right. And she she apparently she was like, I took it to dinner and had to be reading it under the table. Like, okay. Is that good? So I guess <laughs> by that point, she had already gotten her movie deal probably. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And by association. I, the yeah. Hunger Games is 2012 and Twilight era is like late oh, 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Interesting and huh on her blog. <laughs> we yeah, so, it was an old school, ugly <laughs> looking b- blog. That's how a lot of them were before yeah. Tumblr. <laughs> so <laughs> we were in Barnes and Noble yesterday, and mm-hmm. we were looking in the teen section, and I was being blown away because I didn't actually realize, like, I had never put to that there's a teen book section, <laughs> and more did, so, no. there's actually a. There's a teen romance and fantasy section. You don't even know there was a romance section. <laughs> like all those Fabio covers and stuff. Fabio? He, Fabio. Is that the name? Like the general generic name of every... No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> no, Fabio. Romance book. Fabio is like a very famous model for those book covers. And he was on that challenge. I was telling you on Top Model, they did a photo shoot oh. inspired by romance book covers. And they brought in Fabio. Oh. He was famous in the... 80s 90s ish yeah good time to be famous yeah yeah i did not realize that those sections existed (laughs) yeah cameron's finding out a lot about book genres yeah (laughs) i mean yeah i'm i'm literate but i do not read (laughs) it's sad to waste such a beautiful gift i i really should read more (laughs) what the heck this is a book club i'm doing books right we're covering books you should read the hunger games i should it's a really good read i i mean i was telling zeleni in the store that i should probably read teen books because that's a good like I feel like that's when I should have been reading and Mm -hmm. it it would be a good way for me to, I think, get introduced to the habit of reading and maybe I could learn more about teen culture. 
Just because I'm so old and traditional. (laughs) I feel like teen books are really good. That's when I read the most in my life when I was a teen. Really? Yeah. I can't believe that. Because I don't Like for me, well, just for me, when I was, I was, it was all about going out and socializing for me and doing the next big cool thing. I literally can't remember. Reading was the last thing I would do. I can't remember like three times I went out and socialized Uh in high school (laughs) or middle school. Wow. I wasn't allowed. My mom let me do anything I wanted inside the house. I mean, my life was like that through most of middle school. And then high school, everything just kind of... It must be nice. <laughs> everything spiraled out of control. What happened was I got a bicycle and I think my mom <laughs> just realized she couldn't hold on to me anymore. So <laughs> she just gave up. <laughs> wow. I was reading all the time, spending all my mom's money on books. Oh, yeah. As we heard on that previous episode. What, what episode? Well, just I remember the eBay story. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was the beginning. <laughs> In case you didn't hear, Zeleny spent like $800 on a bid <laughs> for a collection set of books on yes, eBay. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> um, it was great. I, I need to find that so I can sell it. She probably threw it away. Uh, whatever. Did you end up actually spending? Like, did you win that bid? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I I, <laughs> I thought about that when I was editing the podcast. Like, oh, yeah. Is he, did he realize like I bought it? Oh, my God. I have. I have With your it. mom's money. Yeah. Oh, my She gave God. me permission. That is insane. <laughs> I would never. I don't think my mom would ever give me $800 for books. <laughs> it's not. It's not that. She was struggling it, to find $500 for a plane ticket to, no, for it, me to go. <laughs> Exactly. It, it was at a time my family went through many, many ups and downs financially. Some very high ups and low, low see, downs. Right. So like that was just that, that happened to be in a moment where it was high up. I got and, you. And my mom was willing to spoil me. Wow. She spoils me at any income level, but like that's so nerdy. Eight hundred dollars <laughs> for some books. I know. I mean, come on, are they that rare? It was just a whole collection of the Babysitters Club, and that's like they were signed. That's like no, there are just hundreds of them. Oh, so you got the whole collection? Yeah. Jesus. So, fuck. so it was like a whole. <laughs> Did you shelf. read all of them? I yeah, most of them. Jesus. There were long books, but yeah. So it was like having a Babysitters Club library in my own house. <laughs> 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 You're like the, the go-to expert for <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I forgot about that completely. So I never, I feel, feel like people don't know that about me, that I <laughs> Well, now to, everybody knows. <laughs> not everyone. No one listens. Uh, you're offending those who are listening. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. I, so I was, let's talk about The Hunger Games, right, another was, book. Well, I was reading a lot of books in this era like a ton and i was really excited because hunger games for especially a teen book it was amazing like it was one of those that holds on and sticks because there's so many teen books out there as you saw and it was like that back then and most of them are forgettable like you don't pick them up or you don't remember them after you read them but the hunger games was one of those like unique gems was the concept fairly original yeah, I think in that space especially, yes, for sure. But, I mean, so The Hunger Games has a lot of, like, inspirations or, like, comparisons that people, they're critiquing it for being too similar. Is it a dystopian um, society? Yeah. 
So a lot of people compare it to Battle Royale, which is right. a Japanese oh. uh, movie. Ugh. Is that where book? Fortnite gets its term from? Maybe. Yeah. Probably. Because <laughs> I, I mean, actually, I've been curious about, since I've started playing Fortnite, I've been curious <laughs> about the term Battle Royale because the more I read about Fortnite, the more I hear that that specific term, term is a oh, is specific okay. to a style of gameplay. And it's yeah. not just like this, you know, subcaption for the game. It's an actual style of gaming. Right, right, right. Uh, coming from this idea that it's last man standing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. right. So I guess that's what Battle Royale means yeah and so this is from a japanese movie yeah okay. or a book i think it might be a book also first oh, yeah, yeah. but it has been adapted but i'm too scared to watch it because it's pretty violent mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure but it is on netflix so if you want to go watch it comes it. with the territory right exactly do you think that they did a good job of minimizing the violence in this movie i really think they did for what it could have been it's definitely more violent in the book. But then, of course, that's why a lot of people got mad about this one, the movie. Oh. Is it wasn't violent enough. Oh, yeah. Like, which I feel like just reinforces the whole themes of the movie of, like, people wanting. <laughs> like, that's society. That's wanting, our whole point. Yeah, they want the gore. Yeah, they feed off Bloodfest. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, typically we do a review section a spoiler free review section and then move on to spoilers on high key right yeah that's what we typically do and this first half is going to be a chance for all listeners to enjoy uh high yeah. key book club talk about this movie and and sort of just in a general sense what our uh, broad impressions are what are some of the numbers around the movie Mm -hmm. and we will give a final recommendation before moving into the second half but i i say we keep this section kind of quick just because it's an older movie we usually we try to evenly split well we try to base the length of the review part of how old it is if it's way old then what? That's new to me. What? We you we usually do. Like we'll spend more time on the review if it's a newer movie because less people have seen it. Okay. I mean like yeah, Harry I, Potter, we don't we don't even do that. I would be really surprised if you as an American have not seen this movie yet, but I understand. I get it. I mean there were a lot of movies I didn't see. Actually, so this is again, this has just been on trend like Wreck It Ralph. It, this was one of those movies that uh again I saw sort of at the beginning of me stepping out of my alien phase. Um, and I remember it was like one of those aha moments where I, you know, I got to catch it sort of in the middle of the series. Mm -hmm. I think catching fire had just come out and it was probably from working in restaurants, hearing so many people talking about it where I said, Mm. maybe I should just go, I need to go see it to see what it's all about. I get that had to have been it because I kept hearing it being referenced and I was like, what is so special about this movie that they want to reference it in such specific contexts. So that inspired me to go watch it. And I saw the first one and I really, really liked it. And then I saw the second one, loved it. And then I think that later at the end of that year was when the third one was coming out. Mm. And so it was cool. It was this chant where I kind of caught in the middle and I was able to at least catch the tail wave of the whole series now we're not going to go probably into covering the other ones maybe at some point but who knows mm-hmm. uh and so like my my opinion about the series and a whole is that i mean this is definitely a very strong start and i felt like the sequel was a very quality sequel the follow-up too i actually loved the sequel i had strong dislikes about the final two movies i think the general consensus on the books is the same interesting yeah so 
that's kind of like the the typical opinion yeah. on the whole series. It's I would really say. that's really insightful. Mm-hmm. It's hard to conclude something such yeah. high concept. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what I'm finding with a lot of these media type things. Mm-hmm. Um, there's I can't I mean there are very few examples of things that come to mind stories that end really well that were multi-part sagas i mean i feel like harry potter gets like it's barely makes it especially right? the movie Th- right because the very last thing <laughs> not to spoil it is done weird mm. it's hard because i think at that point the author or creator knows that they have to balance a certain amount of expectations suddenly and it sucks that that pressure at if it changes what creative outcome occurs. And then we all have to live with the choices that were made. So that's my feelings. And we're going to stick to just the first one here. So I saw this movie, I guess, a couple of years after it had come out. And I really, really liked it. Upon reviewing it now, watching it again, it holds up mostly true. And my impressions of it then stayed the same as they are now, except now, you know, which we're going to cover later on, there were some cinematography points that I re- was noticing about it and coloring. But on the whole, this film strikes me as an indie production. It strikes mm. me as this very independent feel for being a quote unquote blockbuster or big Hollywood budget movie, which I don't actually know what the budget was. Let me, uh, can, I, can I guess? Yeah, sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I wonder if it's going to speak to whether or not this was truly an indie type of uh, movie, but <laughs> I, I mean, think it, I think it does. And well, you can guess 30 million. No. 25 million. No. Was it higher than 30? Yeah. Interesting. Was it 50 million? No. What was it? 78. That's the budget? I know. I was shook too. Okay, <laughs> what? <laughs> like seriously though, where did two thirds of the that money go? <laughs> Girl. I Probably to the rights of to the book. <laughs> yeah, actually. A I lot think of so, it? yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I think <laughs> because that's a big part. They're writing off of the success of something like Harry Potter and even Lord of the Rings, which Definitely. Yeah, there just was been... there was one like w- those quotes they have on Wikipedia of uh, critics or whatever. Uh-huh. And it was like, "Move over Harry Potter. <laughs> There's a new whatever. wizard in town." <laughs> yeah, something like that. And I'm like, "No, this they're totally different, but whatever." There's a new teen idol in town. Yeah, it made no sense. And and they kept... I, I feel like a lot of the quotes I was seeing from critics were like shitting on Harry Potter movies and saying, this one does it right. Oh my God. Because Harry Potter like plays it kind of safe and doesn't is ne- not ever too violent. And well, so. yeah, yeah. it's To me, it's such a different genre. Like Harry Potter <laughs> is fantasy and then Hunger Games more sci-fi. That's and I know they're lumped together, but they're also pretty different. That is very interesting. I mean, I cannot believe that that budget was so high. What? I think it was pr- it was probably the books. So okay, I really don't see where it went. Is- <laughs> That's my point. Is that this looks like a very low scale movie, and I thought that it was f- to try to keep costs down, uh, but clearly they didn't care about costs. I wonder who distributed the film. Okay, well I have all that, and I think it's important. Cool. Go ahead. Because it was Lionsgate. Okay. And also Color Force, which is mm. by Nina Jacobson. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a producer on a lot of things. We recently covered something that she produced. Color Force? 
Not a movie? A movie that she produced, but yeah. I don't remember what it was. Okay. But we talked about her a bit, but I was just like looking at her past, her yeah. career, and holy shit, she has, I wrote them down. She has produced some like iconic movies. Tell me. Like Sixth Sense. Ah. Oh. Remember the Titans? Nice. I didn't see that, but Neither it was I, a big actually. deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Pearl Harbor. Oh. And Narnia. And Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh, wow. And most importantly, The Princess Diaries. <laughs> wow, she does have a lengthy record. Right. And a lot of animated movies. She actually, oh my God. So yeah, this is like the Nina Jacobson corner because it was so interesting what I was reading. Some tea. Uh-huh. Even though that's... We didn't have tea music, you know, like... Right. So apparently she... Got fired from Disney by Richard Cook, Shady Ho, the day after she gave birth. So she was still like in the delivery hospital room. That's messed up. And she got fired over the phone. I mean, a similar type thing happened with this lady that I just interviewed for my documentary. She didn't go into that, but she told me previously where like same thing happened with her at UT. And I was like, oof, that's awful. And like the thing she's produced, though. Yeah. Look at this. The track record is brilliant. Like to fire her yeah. and hire some random guy well that's how disney at the corporate level i imagine works it's, it's cut you know, throat. they they're like you're replaceable that's horrible and sexist because they'll find somebody else with just as good and, credentials and more that penis is, yeah <laughs> that's eager to work there so but it's stupid because I mean, yeah. she has a track record of like iconic movies yeah not just blockbusters but like you know when when was that happen? When did that happen that she got let go from Disney? I forgot, but it was right before she started Color Force. I think okay. around the late two thousands. I see. Also, yeah, I'm trying to remember if Color Force did La La Land. Mm, I don't think so. They did like one other big movie recently. Oh, they did, but it was something else. Yeah, I don't have that. So, <laughs> anyways, the moral is that producers are awesome, and she's a great female producer. Yeah, and that she. I didn't realize she's also a lesbian and part of like being an activist for queer people in hollywood well we should remember nina jacobson for sure i i recognize her name now after we did whatever movie it was that we should try to get an interview with her girl <laughs> she's actually like famous <laughs> it's hey it can happen and or you can at least get an interview with her assistant maybe yeah <laughs> so that's like a whole thing i'm learning informational interviews is what they call them uh so <laughs> Uh, that was the budget, and now against what returns? Let's see. How did it do at the box office? I would say domestically, it was probably I don't have a domestic. huge. Oh, do you have just worldwide? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. sorry. It was probably a huge hit. I. It was big. Yeah. Uh, was Chunk. it like in the seven hundred million territory? Yeah. Okay. It was right. It's six hundred ninety-four. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. I'm good. Yeah. The U.S. was like fifty or sixty percent ish. Okay. Around that range. I mean, I, that's because I feel like something like The Hunger Games could translate really well internationally. And I wonder if this book has been I mean, translated it's, it's a very human, in a lot of other languages. I'm sure it has. It's a very like... It is human. Human and societal story, like common, you know, that everyone oh, yeah. can relate to in a right. society. No, for sure. So it's like any government, you can relate in some way. Absolutely. I mean, truthfully, it's a type of concept that will probably i mean i don't know i mean i think it will hold 
some relevancy for for a very long time, if not like indefinitely. Yeah, um, I mean, it's that kind of 1984 type. For of, sure, it's definitely an inspiration. People say. I remember, and I remember this quote, and I saw it again when I was looking into it. How the author was just inspired by like flipping through the TV and seeing the coverage of the Iraq war mm-hmm. very like violently and gruesomely on the news and everyone being desensitized to it. And then uh, flipping through and seeing a lot of reality TV, of course. <laughs> oh, whoa. So kind of the idea to put together yeah. the Hunger Games came from channel flipping? Well, where you that's saw what, these two images sort of right. back and forth together. Wow, that's what she that's so cool. says. So... There's I, a lot of it. there's a lot of critics speculation. I, I usually buy it, but like a lot of critics was it written are for like, the headlines, said for the headlines. But that was way back then. I remember it from when I was like, right when I finished the first book. But but it's true. Yeah, it is true. They everyone the critics just say like, oh, she just stole the concept of battle royale. Oh, so was Suzanne Rice? Su- wait, Suzanne. Sorry, Suzanne Collins. <laughs> she an American. Yes. Okay. So yeah. it's an American. Oh yeah, book. it's it it's understood to be the United States. Okay. Dystopian. Oh, okay. Um, I just thought it was a hypothetical. It is, but like, yeah, based on the U.S. more. Okay. It's a the District Twelve is supposed to be around. Um, uh, I don't know geography that well. What West Virginia or something? <laughs> West Virginia. <laughs> Where's the coal area? Oh, it's supposed to be in the Appalachians. Take me home. Do you know Appalachians? Yes. I love the Appalachians. It's supposed to be around there, District oh. 12. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I can actually imagine them filming a lot around they, there, too. I know where they filmed. Oh. It was important. Where? North- Georgia? <laughs> North Carolina. Oh. They got a big tax break. So I love North Carolina. Mm. <laughs> North Carolina is awesome. And I was actually, that's actually where I've been in the Appalachian Mountains. Oh. Um, so the Smoky Mountains, uh, are you familiar with them? Yeah. So they're like, I guess, <laughs> the the close cousin or sister to the Rocky Mountains. But uh, so you have like your two main mountain ranges in America, the Rocky Mountains and the Appalachians. Is this relevant? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's relevant to fellow granolas like myself. Okay, okay. You can... But no, I mean, my only point is that we have two main mountain ranges. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think the longest trail in the longest hiking trail in the United States, official hiking trail, is along the Appalachian Mountains. And it goes all the way from, I'm fairly certain it's like the north of Florida or south Georgia to Maine. And so, and, and that's a whole thing. Um, it's a circuit of, it's like an accomplishment to said to have hiked the entire trail. Yeah, yeah, like Mount Everest. Yeah, and it takes like six months. I'm sure. It's insane. Like Mount Everest. So it's actually one of my goals to hike that no. in life. Yes. Six months? Well, so people break it up. They'll okay, do it okay. like a month at a time, if that. But like, it's like the life goal is to be able to say oh, okay, okay. that you've hiked the entire... So you can go entire... like a week ahead Yeah, time. exactly. <laughs> and you just pick it up from wherever you left off. Okay, okay. But of course, some of the diehards have gone from beginning to right, end. Right, right, right. Mostly retired people. <laughs> okay. Uh, but so sense. the I, I haven't been to many mountain ranges in my life, but I went to the Smoky Mountains right after high school and it was a major moment for me and it meant a lot. And 
I got one of the first real hikes that I ever went on was along the Appalachian Trail. And so I'm kind of pleased to know that I can <laughs> say from firsthand experience that it's very beautiful <laughs> and it's also very rural in a lot of ways. And uh, uh, yeah, it's really nice. Well, it's cool to know that the Hunger Games was filmed there. North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they got an $8 million tax break. Whatever wow. that means. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seventy million. <laughs> right. I actually went to the movie. Wait, what? Well, no, no, no. They got the money. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's usually in the form of a rebate. Uh-huh. Um, I've had to learn this in my producing class. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it was interesting. It was in a different state because when it's filmed, usually states have different or cities have different incentives for they do. filming. Exactly. So that they can say their city's cool, basically. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Filmed on site in North Carolina. <laughs> right. I guess we can start moving on. Well, I, I was going to say, do you have any final uh, yeah. impressions or general comments I before we give our recommendations? Definitely. Well, I was going to do my recommendation. Yeah. So you okay. definitely. <laughs> I definitely recommend the book. I don't necessarily recommend the movie. Pass on Jennifer Lawrence. Well, it's not that. It, I feel like the book. So the issue is the book is in first person. And you're in Katniss's thoughts the whole time. Are you really? Yeah. And I didn't so, actually know that. Yeah. So that means... The, I feel like the movie is not filmed that way at all. Exactly. So the problem is you're basically in her thoughts in the book. And then in in the... It's a theme of hers that she's not super likable. And, and her persona... Her personality is dry. Well, it doesn't she, come off well on uh-huh. TV. Right. She, right. So it doesn't... It still doesn't come off well in a movie. You know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. So, like, the character of Katniss, you don't get it because it doesn't translate well on TV. That's part of her character's issue, too. So, like, the book really helps because you're in her thoughts and that makes her super likable because you relate to her. You, like, Mm -hmm. you just know what she's thinking and that she's a cool person and, you know? Yeah. But, like, in the movie, you just don't see that because... That's kind of her personality. It's kind of cold. Yeah. Outwardly. And I remember that. It's kind of a weird, it's ironic because it's like the issue of the character, but then that's the issue of making it a movie. I remember when I had originally watched this trilogy that I felt like the first movie was the most bright that we ever actually get her. And then Jennifer's portrayal of Katniss in the subsequent films gets more more and more dry. Yeah. And like more and more reserved. And that's saying a lot because in the in the first one, she's not that. Yeah, she's bright. already not that talkative <laughs> or smiling at right. all. And I, it's probably the same in the book, but at least we see her thoughts and see like, you know, you relate right. to someone when you know their intentions and right. everything, their vulnerability. So that's why I recommend the book way more. Hmm. It, I just feel like the protagonist translates so much better. It's a tough character. It is. I don't I definitely don't blame Jennifer. That's like part of the character's trait. So it's kind of like hard to blame her. It's just like it's hard. So but you yeah. recommend the book, but not the movie. Like the I, I recommend the movie okay. It's like a fun, interesting watch. It's just like I really recommend the book. I think that if you're going to watch this movie, it's going to like it's hard for me to recommend this movie and not recommend the others because I, like for me, as soon as I saw it and got to the end, I'm like, I got to see how yeah, this yeah, ends, yeah. right? For sure. And I so did too. It was like I couldn't books. wait to watch the next one. 
and I still can't, <laughs> but I don't think we're ever going to watch Catching Fire again. We can. Okay. We can watch it. <laughs> well, we might not cover it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I recommend the movie. I mean, I recommend it. It's 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 a good story. <laughs> I recommend it fine. I recommend the story. I just, if, if you have the option, please, the book is so much better. This is Heike Book Club, not Heike Movie Club. <laughs> wow. Just okay. kidding. We cover movies here. <laughs> <laughs> and with that we'll uh, see you on the second half side and we'll we're we're gonna tear this movie apart <laughs> i should just score all of my documentaries acapella. with my own acapella <laughs> <laughs> i mean Doo-doo. It's a little 2015. <laughs> I'm bringing 2015 back. Okay. <laughs> you not filmmakers don't know how to act. <laughs> so guess what the the subtitle is for Life Size 2, which premieres tonight as we speak. In Wait, how is minutes. this relevant? <laughs> it's um, not. Is it? Um, I think you've told me before. No, I haven't. Um, I just found out. Is it back to reality? <laughs> No, but that'd be good. <laughs> I don't know. Life size two, a Christmas Eve. Oh, oh my God! I'm doing the face I, palm. I'm doing no, the face palm emoji. I just got it because her name is Eve. Uh, oh my God, that's genius, actually. Anyway, I don't know what's genius about doing a Christmas themed sequel, but well, it is. It's it's genius when it's a pun on the doll's name. It is. I agree. And yeah, so I'm sorry. excited to watch that maybe tomorrow. And not tonight. No, because it starts in 15 minutes. Shite. We can't talk about the Hunger Games in 15 minutes. You're right. <laughs> so I'm so, missing Life Size 2, A Christmas Eve for y'all. Yeah. She, she loves you, listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, Heike, book club fan. Thank you so much for coming back. And <laughs> we are... Excited to jump right in to this these juicy commentaries about the Hunger uh-huh. Games. Cato looks like a Paul brother. <laughs> Am I right? That's where we start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. So Cato is what our like antagonist. Yeah, he, I mean he's, he's like the like, sub antagonist. Yeah, what what is, is there should be a term for that? It's like there the antagonist, like basically Malfoy is in Harry Potter, and then Voldemort is right. like the real one. Right. It's like. It's the one. There's in the, the sub level adversary yeah. that is doing sort of the bidding, in a sense, for the higher. More like the day to day villain. Yeah. And then like the ultimate. The world villain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the villain universe. Yeah. So Kato is kind of our main. What, what did we just call it? Sub villain. Oh, really? Is that where we came to? Uh, whatever it is. Day to day villain. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then. Our day villain, not our night villain. Yeah. President <laughs> Snow is like our yeah. world villain here. So yeah, he looks like Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Wow. We come up with some really brilliant theories here. <laughs> <laughs> I keep book club. Sure. <laughs> We're giving you valuable content. <laughs> Quality content. He does, right? Yeah. It's weird now looking I back. I mean, I don't watch those Jake brothers on YouTube, <laughs> but her Paul brothers. Those Jake brothers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're referring to Jake Paul, right? Yeah, yeah. Logan Paul. No, no. He looks so much like them. His name is Alexander Ludwig. Oh, what's he in these days? Mm, <laughs> He's now a carpenter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So we're, yeah, we've talked a little bit about this. We're in a post-apocalyptic United States with a lot of global warming. And somehow Trump's not there. Well, 
what if snow <laughs> excuse me what if snow is like trump's grandchild or something yeah gross so yeah it's a dystopian kind of society it's futuristic but also it's very like one percent versus the 99 percent a lot of the country is in poverty and it just depends where you live, what industry you're part of, and everyone has an industry. So, and there are, aren't there like districts that are like on the outer rim? Yes. Of this, what is it like a circular? I don't think it's necessarily circular. It's easy to think of it that way. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like a big city. So, it's like New York. And they're kind of in the rural district. Yeah, for sure. Are they kind well, of like the farming district? Where District Twelve? Yeah. No, District Twelve is the coal district, oh. and they're the poorest. Oh shit. District 11, where, where Rue is from and Thresh, that's the farming, like oh. the grain district. But yeah, there's District 1 through 3-ish and 4 are kind of rich. So they're sort of like in level, right? In order? Yeah. District 1 being yeah. the richest. Yeah. 12. Ew. It's like they numbered it based on <laughs> income in- class. Yeah. Ew. What is it? GDP? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't, what I don't what know is that. one like? The tech sector? No, I think that's Probably district media. three. What is one? One is like wood or something. No, it's not. But I don't know what it is. Water? <laughs> no, water is district four. Yeah. Uh, weird. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You really don't get all those types of details exactly. in this movie. That's, yeah. that's deep book level knowledge. There's a lot more setup in the book. Yeah, I would imagine so. And in the movie, they actually added all the stuff about like showing President Snow and Seneca, which is the guy with the beard. Yeah. Like all of that was added for just the movie. It's not in the book because the book is in first person. So we only see what Katniss sees. Oh, right. So like and stuff like the control room uh-huh. was very important to add. They said in the research that they really needed that to show that we're still in a futuristic place since mm. so much of it is in the forest and very like savage. It's an important distinction yeah. between the two worlds Mm -hmm. and what they're experiencing but purely for cinematic purposes that's very interesting yeah yeah you really don't get that otherwise i mean i would love to see we should somebody should cut this movie with all of those sections spliced out to see how it would feel and respond right yeah Uh, because otherwise i mean that jungle it does look very Mm -hmm. non-futuristic you only really get the gifts floating through the sky as a sign and like also the oh and the projections the projections on the roof yeah it's kind of oh we didn't even mention the Truman Show as a oh, I, comparable. I, I wrote it down oh. right there. See oh sh- well she's showing me her slip of notes and <laughs> sure enough you should <laughs> you should write them on paper like this all the time so you can just flash it in my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I did put the Truman Show there next to Battle Royale and Survivor. I also put mm-hmm. in Survivor. Yeah, very important. It's all of those things. Cast away. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. Survivor is really The survival, show. right, exactly. So that's taped. Right, and so, so is the Truman Show. Right, but Survivor is in the woods. Right. <laughs> or something. Or, or an island. Whatever it is. Right. And so, and the Truman Show it. in the sense that this is all in a dome. Oh, right, yeah. And that's also what makes me it's think of Westworld a an little. An arena. Yeah, Westworld's an interesting modern sort of take on a dystopian sort of thing. Anyway, it's in a dome. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so what did you think about, remember we were talking about the cinematography of right, this right, movie right. a lot it's when we were very, watching it? It's uh, very apparent. Like very, it, it's not necessarily good to be that noticeable, I don't think, right? Interesting. It's supposed to, 
I feel like cinematography and editing should be very like unnoticed. Unnoticed, like a good waiter. Right. <laughs> and and it's interesting. We talk like that a, a lot in my editing class, actually. Yeah. And when we that. looked when we looked at a lot of our classical cinema, we noticed how these techniques became so conventional, and it was because they were very clear to audiences, and especially international audiences. It's that this would translate well on the screen, no matter who was watching. And so when you create with those conventions in mind, it just creates a seamless language that is easily readable. But you're saying that this style that they chose, it was too apparent and it maybe did it pull you out a little bit of the sometimes. imagination sometimes? Well, because it was like, well, after you mentioned that every shot's a close up, so, right. I was like, oh, wow, it really is. Yeah. And then on top of being right on their face, it's shaking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hand handheld close ups. Yeah. So it's kind of like jarring. Yeah, so that's well, that was my main observation. As I have been working more on sets when, and with cameras, I am paying more attention to the lenses that are used on every camera. And every camera has interchangeable lenses, so you can change what they do, and they all have different effects. So these were with very long fixed lenses that stayed in that one focal length, and they were all very close-up shots. All, not We didn't ha have many long shots or many wide shots where we got an establishment of the space and the setting. A lot of these shots were uh, very long or, or very close up to the subject. And it was something that I just noticed right away after seeing it so consistently. And it's nice for effect when you want to emphasize like important information or emotion happening with the characters. But... Uh, otherwise, I don't think that it should be a strict, a strict style. I feel like it was trying to compensate for the book being first person and trying oh. to like get us in her head, but it's hard. You can't. That's a val uh, very valid point, yeah. and I could see that justifying their choice for it. Mm -hmm. hmm. But it just didn't work. Um, I mean, it, I think it worked okay. It's a good movie overall, I would say, but it's just like it's a lot. It and also, uh, more well, variety. my main complaint with this movie and why I don't like rewatching it too much also is the color saturation oh, because yeah. Tell I'm, us about that. I'm very sensitive to color saturation. Like because I, you're a graphic designer. No, <laughs> just because I don't know. I'm sad when I things are all gray. Right. Even though I love the color gray, but that's different. That's like in in fashion uh, but <laughs> well we've talked a lot about that on Heike uh the movies that we've loved because they are so colorful yeah it's just I hate I, I don't know I hate monochromatic palettes of like grays and and we're gonna get into this in the next movie we're gonna cover right. as well yeah <laughs> but the Hunger Games to me is very gray despite being set in like a greenery place like to me, it's not. It's annoying to me that it has to be like, oh, this movie is sad, so we have to make it all gray. Like, why can't there be color? I know it's counterintuitive, but it's more interesting. A lot of blues and a lot of grays in this movie. Yeah, and it's like, where's the green saturation? You're in the forest. Or just like I, general. I get, I get the being gray, like in the district, but I feel like even the capital was not as saturated as, as it could have been. It could have been like the people are. I have this too. Like, it's basically like drag is like a thing in the capital, and how everyone everyone puts on a drag, a very intense, colorful drag. And when we were watching like the interview part, it looked like 
the audience literally looked like the audience at the finale of Drag Race. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, that's the most color for that we really see in any yeah. scene in this movie. And even then, they don't... It's just like in the color correction, they don't saturate it much. Do you think it's on purpose for effect that they really just want you to look at this as a dreary world yeah, I think and that so. it's like forced artificial life that is brought to you by the media that yeah. is the color that they're pushing on to you. I definitely think it's on purpose, but and but to me that's too obvious. It's too elementary. Like mm-hmm. we need to see the contrast of like these bright bright colors and how it's really a, like a horrible society yeah. behind it. You know, it's like that's way more interesting right. to me other than like blue means sad, you know. And I mean, I like to stick to uh, like documentary style camera work for, st- for for things like that, for trying to depict what this world is like, really. And when you're doing it in a fictional sense this way. So I'd rather it's been done more with the camera styling as opposed to this color choice, this Mm -hmm. blanket theme that you want to do for the entire film. I feel like also the style, though, is just reminiscent of that film time period. Yeah, I guess. It's like desaturation wasn't. Gross. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that continued till about like 2016 or so. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like 2016 was maybe like, or 15 or 16 was kind of the peak when it was being done finally in the commercial sector. And then now we've kind of gone more towards like the lens flare and things are becoming a lot more vibrant now. I feel like that's true. A lot of the movies I see now, I don't have this same issue with Mm -hmm. anymore because I have this issue with a lot of, when did Azkaban come out? (laughs) Azkaban 2004. 2004? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's what it said at the end, and that's when it was filmed, at least. It might have came out in 05, but... That's a long time ago. Well, whatever. The Harry Potter movies... I could tell from Gary Oldman. Who's he? Uh, Sirius Black. Oh, he is? Yeah. What? Oh. He won the Oscar. (laughs) He did. Last year, right? He did, Not for Sirius. Not for Sirius. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? We'll talk about it. Never mind. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway... I feel like the Harry Potter movies were also very gray. I don't know if it was sort I just think it was a trend. Like they wanted to kind of desaturate everything. So, and it was probably an effect that happened from digital camera technology coming about. Mm. It's and that's like Whoa. that transition. Girl. Was Hunger Games shot on film? Yes. Oh. And it said the reason was to avoid delays, which I don't I didn't get it. They were like I don't know when I was reading about it, they were like, all this digital stuff takes so long and there's a lot of technical difficulties. So what? Yeah. And they were like, wow. We're, we're okay. Going to film. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Hunger Games shot in film. I wonder if that holds true for the sequels as well. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like Twilight had the same trajectory. I feel like as, as Hunger Games in that the first one fe- feels super indie and is also very desaturated. <laughs> And then it just only gets like bigger and worse from there. <laughs> yeah. Even though Hunger Games has a way better sequel. Yeah. Catching Fire, I mean. I love Catching Fire. It's so good. Well, that's okay. So spoilers ahead uh, for Catching Fire as well. Not for Mockingjay because who even remembers what happens in that? Yeah. I have to look it up every few years. All I remember is like, Julianne Moore. <laughs> that's a good one. I think it's brilliant. Like say critics say all you want that. She stole Battle Royale, whatever. But to me, to have like an all-stars round, like that's peak satire <laughs> of 
yeah where we are now in reality tv like exactly more recently because the all-stars thing has become a way bigger deal but it wasn't as big a deal before hunger games really not that hunger games made it it's just kind of like it picked up the trend early because now i see a lot more all-stars seasons of reality tv it's very profitable it's this extra way to make a new yeah. season that doesn't matter as much per se yeah <laughs> but, but still you gets already, you a check yeah and you don't <laughs> have to do the casting and, yeah. and you are also you are you like you have these built-in fans already for these characters, so yeah. they just bring in their fans now, and yeah, it's that's, insane. That's wild. It's it's pretty wild because that was one of the first experiences I had with the All Stars concept, almost, and I was like, wow, she she really. I mean, that's a, that's a smart idea. That would suck so much to win Hunger Games. Exactly. And that's be why called back as an all-star. It's an amazing conflict uh, to have it in your plot, uh, you know? And Katniss was the only option for the 12 because she was the only winner, female winner. Oh. <laughs> Remind me, does, all, does this all-stars Hunger Games specific game roll over into Mockingjay? No. No? Like it concludes all in... Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't remember Mockingjay at all. <laughs> yeah. Neither does anyone because it made no sense. <laughs> yeah. Like I just don't understand what Julia Moore's role was She was the all. leader like, of like the secret other state, District 13. Oh. Yeah, that's So deep. like she's like the leader of the rebellion. She's like Jefferson Davis or whoever. Yeah. Who was the leader of the South? Racist probably. <laughs> Robert E. Lee? Yeah, that one, I guess. She was like that guy if the North was... Well, I, I see. Maybe a better comparison is Abraham Lincoln. She's Abraham Lincoln. And then Snow is the other one. What was his name? Robert E. Lee. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm getting them mixed up too. I mean, because Robert E. Lee was like the general in the military. I don't know if he was considered the leader or like the president. Who of the was the president? States. Wasn't it Jefferson Davis? Who cares? Anyway, yeah. I'm just trying to help you with American history. I see. References. And comparing it here. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's it, basically the leader of like the rebellion state. I hope to. Yeah. Huh. I hope to rewatch these because. You should read them. I, They're well, so I much better. So much better. So we had issues with some issues with how it was filmed, but I mean, I like that it was shot on film itself. And, and it's also it does it, it did want to give this sense of like realism, yeah, and like documentary. And it kind of got that. Um, it yeah. felt that. Yeah. So there's pros and cons. Okay. So what else do you have to talk about? Uh, a few things. Are there any like performances that you? were well, in so, love with or not so much in love with yeah so i was following the casting really close oh like as it was developing wow well because you were there on on the scene yeah well, on the scene because <laughs> i've <Life> tweeting <laughs> i read the hunger games very early on and i loved it so like you got invested with these characters yeah i was following everything them. And I loved the cast. I thought. I mean, I think that the casting, for the most part, is pretty good. I liked it, except I didn't like the boys, Gail and Peta, much. I don't like Peta so much. I hate that it's so dumb. Like Josh Hutcherson is a natural Peta. He's a natural blonde, and then Gail Liam Liam Hemsworth is a natural. Wait, no, no, no. Josh Hutcherson is a natural brunette, and then Liam Hemsworth is a natural blonde, and they got like the opposite sort of look type of character 
It seems like Liam should have been PETA. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. He wouldn't have to dye his hair. And PETA wouldn't have to dye his. Anyway, you know who would be great? Who? You should know. Oh, this is like our uh, fantasy casting for PETA? Yeah. Do I know who would be great? Yeah. Who? My favorite. Who's my favorite? Who do... Who? How do you... You need to know this. This is Heike Cannon. I just don't remember his name. Tell me. Cold Sprouts. Oh. Obviously. I still don't even know like what... Who... <laughs> I don't even know what he looks like. Cold Sprouts. Are you kidding me? He's beautiful. Google him now. He's see. my favorite person. <laughs> we need to do like a react. <laughs> oh my God. He's beautiful. He's Does he have curly hair? No. Oh. He's Zach and Cody. You heard of them? Is he Zach? No, he's Cody. Oh. <laughs> Zach is Dylan Sprouse. Oh, isn't it like the the rich adventures of Zach and Cody or something like that? The sweet life of Zach oh. and Cody, girl. So Cole Sprouse is Cody. Yeah. Look how beautiful he is in the grass. Uh, you just went to his Instagram account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a good idea because he's actually a photographer. So he like takes pictures of other wow. things. He has like no pictures of himself. He's beautiful. I'm telling you. I want to be that beautiful. Cold, cold Sprouts is hot. <laughs> and Dylan Sprouts is hot too. Because they're twins. Got it? Dill? Dill and Sprouts? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, they're so cute. Anyway, Cold Cold Sprouts would be great as a PETA, and Dylan Sprouts can be Gale. <laughs> They're twins for no reason. No, you know who would be good? Timothy Chalamet. He's my second Cold Sprouts. I'm surprised he. he well, he was probably too busy being Cody, but he he should he should <laughs> no, have he, been PETA. He was, he was too young. He was going to college. What? That's like perfect age for PETA. Well, he was busy. That's PETA they, age. they went to college. They took a break after Zach and Cody. Oh, they did? Yeah. That's responsible. They got their education. Yeah, and now they did still he... play 16-year-olds. So education <laughs> did he is get a, yeah. important. Did he get a photography degree? No, they went for like... Business accounting? No. <laughs> they went for like... Farm. Geography. Or, oh. No, that's that's the guy from the McGuire. <laughs> I forgot what they studied, but it was cute. Well... <laughs> Cole, you should tweet at us and remind us what you got your degree in. <laughs> and we'll shout you out in the next episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is a good opportunity to say that you can find out uh, more about what we do at High Key Book Club if you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, cold friends. That's the dream, PETA? Yes, for sure. <laughs> oh, or, no, yeah, him and Timothy Chalamet, you know. Yeah. That, that was the guy who I was trying to remember oh, his name. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yeah. But but he couldn't have played it then, probably. No, he was probably too young. Right. You know who was on the short list that I was shook by? Who? I forgot, but I'm looking. Tom Cruise? Evan Peters. Who the hell is that? He's the guy that was in Pose. He, so most people know him, camera won't, from American Horror Story. Hmm. And But he was on Pose. He was that guy that was picking up prostitutes. The white guy. The, oh, actually, wow. saying the white guy in Pose, there's just one. Wow. wow. That's unique. He's the white guy from Pose. Okay. He's so random. Yeah. No, I agree. As PETA. He might have been good, though. He's won me over a bit. Not in Pose, though. Gross. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. Katniss. There's a lot of people on the shortlist. Emma Roberts, which I found out she was engaged to Evan Peters. Why oh. did no one tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Emma, You know Emma Roberts? Not so much. She was an no. Aquamarine. Oh. She right, was, okay. She was the scared one. Huh. Wow, so she was on the shortlist. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Emma Roberts is fairly successful now, right? Isn't she like she's, doing lead she, stuff? She's like the girl version of Evan Peters. She's in every American Horror Story. Mm. Who else? Haley Steinfeld. Don't know her. <sighs> she was in Ariana's new video, oh. I think. Saoirse Ronan. I would have loved that. Sorry. Sorry, J-Lo. Wow. And then Jennifer, I guess she was their Academy Award winning star. Yeah. They wanted someone or they like were... Like an A-list. No, she yeah. wasn't A-list yet. Oh. She only got paid... 500k and no, for 500k performance guess how much he got paid for catching fire <laughs> yeah. 10 million yeah yeah how'd you know i mean Did you read my note no mm. but that's like <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> well yeah but how did you know exactly 10 million you cheated no i mean that's <laughs> like when you all of a sudden when you have an award and a lot more fame then you can demand like i mean i just i know that that's like average range for somebody like jennifer lawrence who was at her peak during catching fire right i guess um and she probably had just had the success of silver linings playbook right behind her um, and so it's like everybody knows her and, also, and then x-men also um, well, that was like her big ish thing, but like she didn't become A list till after Hunger Games, I'm pretty sure. Because it was like her big break where everyone knew her name. I would say that's correct. Like I think in, she was already knew it, known in the industry before then. Right. She was in Winter's Bone. I know right. she was, but like that people, household yeah, name status. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Kind of thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. She I was mean, pretty reluctant. I, to what like not reluctant but hesitant because she was scared of like the pressure and the fame of like a big franchise oh so she was almost reluctant to join the yeah. Hunger games oh because she didn't want to be reluctant but like she hesitated a bit because of the franchise aspect of it yeah i mean it's true you represent like this that's yeah you this become character. the face yeah. yeah exactly and you become merchandise it's like you want to be daniel Radcliffe. yeah yeah <laughs> uh and then she had a I, lot of training. I wonder if yeah, combat training, <laughs> archery. Yeah, well, I, was I like, remember she made archery popular. Oh. I definitely, after reading the book, wanted to take archery, but I never got to. Makes sense. <laughs> That's really cool too, and like how it's this kind of ancient combat right. art that <laughs> she is known for, and yeah. it's a really cool one. I mean, but also it would be right up any Zelda fan's alley. Because oh, archery sure. plays a huge part in Zelda. Yeah, but that's a smaller fandom. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I was just gonna say she if she got paid five hundred k as the lead in the first, uh, which also okay. So this is ridiculous. Like if it's seventy eight million dollars, like five hundred k for the lead makes sense for an indie movie. Yeah, but <laughs> not for a seventy eight million dollar budget. Come on. And, but she probably worked out some kind of uh, royalty deal where, or not royalty, uh, 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 equity deal. Shark Tank. An equity deal where she got a <laughs> oh percentage God, of the returns. Oh my God, we're missing Shark Tank too. Oh, it is true. Oh, but we can't watch it. Yeah, it's oh, okay. Stupid. We'll watch it some other time. Yeah. So, but I want equity. to, just like while we're on performances, <laughs> um, I loved Elizabeth Banks. Yes. You know she what I, really I found great. out? They never say her character's name in the movie. Oh. I didn't realize that because I read the book, so I knew her name going in. So I never was hearing or listening for it. Do you know her name? They mention it. No. What is it's it? It's never spoken in the first one. What is it? I don't remember. Effie Trinket. Oh. Effie is an important character in the book and she's introduced as her with her name and everything. But in the movie, she's just kind of there. At least in this one. In this one, yeah. They they say her name in a second. I like her acting so much. She I love so her. Good. Well, she's, she's a good actress. Yeah, the um, character's good. Also... I didn't re. I didn't even realize this is a good uh, find. Well, this is a good actor. I didn't realize oh. Stanley Tucci was Caesar. 
The guy with the blue hair? He had blue hair? Yeah. A Caesar? Is it was he snows? No. Who's the, Caesar? The guy that interviews him, like the Jimmy Fallon. Wait, what's his name? Caesar. But the actor's name? Stanley Tucci. What? That's just I thought it was Andy Garcia. No. <laughs> Oh, Stanley Tucci? Yeah. Is he, his name? Yeah. Yeah, I love him. You didn't know? He's an amazing actor. <laughs> you don't even know his name. Are you sure you're not confusing? What movie was he in also? He was in uh, Devil Wars Prada. That's right. He was in Devil Wars Prada. And Easy A. Yeah. Did you see that? It he, had your girl. Easy A? Yeah. <laughs> Taylor had, Swift? It had, no, your other girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh I don't know who one of the girls is. Emma Stone. Oh. No, I never saw Easy A. <laughs> wow. It's actually her one good movie. Oh. Sue me. <laughs> yeah, I love Stanley Tucci. He's great. The performance for me that stood out was Woody Harrelson's. Yes. You know who was on the shortlist for him? Let me try to guess this one because it would... Jeff Bridges? No, but good try, I guess. Um, <laughs> is someone relevant to something we covered? recently john c Riley. yeah oh <laughs> that's so cool actually he's the voice of Re- wreck it ralph that's right ralph. And he was like <laughs> he's, he's like i'm too busy doing ralph <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> uh huh i mean i could see him in that role really well mm-hmm. i think woody harrelson was an excellent i mean yeah. this is actually like important an important role for either of those actors because i think that this really helped boost woody's profile more he's an important character in the in the story in general because mm-hmm. he's very like he's kind of mysterious and he's kind of like he's kind of the character that's a bit of a misleading that he's like a bad character like he he looks kind of useless and bad mm-hmm. and then he surprises you right by being, being like really nice and clever and like yeah yeah because does kinda, he ever kick the habit no i don't think so does it kind of stay like does it become problematic later on um when he's more depressed i mean it's a big deal because in the second one he's up for possibly going back going back in oh for the hunger yeah. games did he win a long time ago yeah was that the thing yeah oh. so every victor has like all the winners from their district to mentor them if they want oh. but like district 12 only has one whole victim i mean winner. one winner and that was woody yeah Hamish oh. from a long while back. Yeah. Oh, wow. And he was actually also in a special edition. So basically, the reason the Catching Fire is All-Stars is it's a 25th anniversary. Anniversary. It's the oh. 75th. And I think Hamish competed in the 50th. And his twist was that it was double the contestants, the amount. Whoa. Yeah. So like 48? Yeah. Whoa. Wait, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I hope I'm not wrong. I haven't read them in a while. But I think he, he won his own quarter quell. That's what they call it. Mm, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. It is. Quarter quell hunger games. Yeah. Man, they make it such a ceremony. It's I know. It's, it's so a pageantry. Creepy. It's very strange. It's what Trump wants. <laughs> I'm sure that there's <laughs> probably some meme out there comparing the Hunger Games <laughs> to his whatever address. Oh, gross. Um, I don't ugh, no. Yeah. So that was kind of like the actors that stood out to me. There was a lot, especially for Katniss, obviously. Also Shailene Woodley, which she became the lead of a different franchise after Hunger Games, but it wasn't as popular. But it was also from like a book series similar. And she's in Big Little Lies. 
She's the younger mom with the son, the single mom. She's in Hunger Games? No, no. She was like up for Katniss. Oh, oh, yeah. And she's very much that type. She she would have been good in that role. Mm-hmm. She was in The Descendants. Yeah, she was. She's like, she's like, I'm too busy doing the descendants. I never know who you know and who you don't. <laughs> like I, I so know. Random. Well, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm figuring it out. I'm, I'm like, filling in the gaps for Cody? like the last six years that I missed. Did you ever see Big Daddy? <laughs> Big with uh, Adam, Adam Sandler? Sandler. Yeah, that's Cold Sprouts. As a kid? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god, that's all you had to say. Oh, okay. I fi- finally found it. I can't believe that's Cold Sprouts. Yeah, and Dylan. It's both of them. <laughs> switching out are you serious yeah. oh that's that's their twins yes they switch <laughs> out they, they would switch out the role yeah. like <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> oh my god man hollywood's cheap it's same with mary Kay and ashley on full house oh really yeah she was like the baby oh and they would switch out the two of them for, yeah oh. it makes sense because they're kids they don't they can't work as many hours yeah they can't so there are rules against that. they just get a twin must be nice. <laughs> yeah, I guess twins make a lot of money in Hollywood. Right. A lot of work. Zach and Cody did. Wow. So, so that's him. <laughs> Big Wow. <Daddy>. All right. <laughs> the kid that pees and yeah. whatever else. <laughs> Spills the milk. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Yeah. You cry so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. We know Big Daddy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was peak Adam Sandler. For sure. 50 for the day is a close second, though. Uh, it's like, no, you that's tail end. Seen it yet. That's tail end of Adam You're right, Sandler. I guess. He was, he was already done, I think, at that point. Dang. It was after no, Click. No, you haven't seen... No, 50 for the was before Click. No, it was after Click. No, it was before. I'm pretty sure it's after. Cameron, this is not the podcast for this, but... Hey, Google, when did Click come out? Okay. Hey, Google, when did 50 First Dates come out? Oh, so no. Google just confirmed that <laughs> 50 First Dates came out in 2004. And Click came out in 2006. I feel like Click was the tail end. I'm shook. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I thought Fifty First Dates was like 2011. Are you kidding? No, Fifty First Dates. I thought it was is... like him trying to rebound no, his career. That was like with the one with all the bros. Fifty First Dates is with uh, Drew Barrymore, right? Yeah. Holy 50 shit. Fifty First Dates is it's bad, but it's good. You know. Like white chicks. The, I've only seen like <laughs> a scene in the middle of the movie because uh, I like stumbled into a living room where it was playing one day. Uh, so that's all I've seen of 50 First Dates. We should cover it someday. Yeah, someday. <laughs> Maybe we have like a rom-com section. Okay. Uh, that's not a rom-com. That's a com-com. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so 50 First Dates is confirmed. Peak Adam Sandler. <laughs> Peak Sandler. <laughs> Okay, not relevant to yeah, Hunger Games at all. At all. <laughs> so, do you have anything else on that small sheet of paper? Small. It's like a mid-size. It's not eight and a half by eleven. Um. So, oh, so I wanted to talk about some things, or something in the book that was scary. Well, no, let's go back to Stanley Tucci. I always pictured his character as Ryan Seacrest. So this was like different. This was Hunger Games was kind of a new thing. I guess I had this with Twilight too. But where I picture the characters one way in my own head because I didn't have a movie when I started reading them. Oh, so yeah. So, like, I never, you know. Uh-huh, yeah. I didn't picture these characters. So. That's how it was for me with Harry Potter. Yeah. Like I, and, I remember and, I pictured McGonagall a certain way. Oh, uh, I'm definitely so envious of the Harry Potter people that really, because I definitely watched the movies before. So. Yeah. And I, I just picture the characters that way. But 
Hunger Games, I had my own ideas. And Stanley Tucci's character, Caesar Flickerman, the interviewer, he reminds me so much of Ryan Seacrest. And I'm just, he's like described as this ageless host that's like super likable. And I'm like, Ryan Seacrest, obviously. Ryan is feeling so complimented right now Mm. and proud. (laughs) Yeah. He's so nice. So I just want to say. He better tweet it. We got to tweet at him. (laughs) I don't know about that. He's busy still. Man, it'd be great to get Ryan on the show. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the interview sequence because I told you a little bit about this when we watched it. But it's a very important scene for me when they're basically they have the tributes and they're doing their one on one interviews with the public Mm-hmm. and it's sort of their only their, moment to, to get sponsors well yeah it's their it's their main moment to get themselves across and their Make brand an impression. Mm-hmm, right. and for me it was like it was literally i think the first time i understood branding in you, media you think watching this was oh. reading it reading it oh yeah it was kind of my first encounter with people being personal brands and having to stick to like one thing that makes them like one part of their personality and fixate on that and just be in this box in this brand to be successful like this was my first sort of introduction to that concept which is a way bigger deal now that social media has become so big and profitable but it's just interesting i feel like that sequence taught me a lot Absolutely. I mean, that's a really big discovery. Pretty advanced for that level of readership. Yeah. And Katniss is having to deal with trying to figure out this personal brand when she doesn't really have like a very TV personality to sort of exploit for (laughs) success. So PETA sort of brings in that weight and just lets her kind of coast on just his love for her making, like Hamish says, making... Her look desirable by Mm -hmm. him desiring her and him being very charming. He's described as a very good with the TV and with the camera and very charismatic. So like that's PETA's big strength. Which is interesting because I don't know if it communicates that well in the movie. Uh, They try their best. They did. It's just Colt Sprouts would have done it. Definitely. (laughs) And Liam for that matter. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's so Cole somber in this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Cole is like made for TV. I'm pretty sure I pictured PETA as Cole back then. <laughs> I would have, knowing me. I'm such a big fan. Oh, yeah. You really liked him in that grain field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so golden. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was talking. Okay, this sequence, yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're getting flustered on air. I know, I know. <laughs> It's just this brand thing makes me so mad now that I'm old and jaded Mm. and how people can't be multidimensional to be successful, you know, and that's so annoying to me. It's an effect of mass media. It's just like why like the the, Ariana Grande always have to have a ponytail. It looks so painful Mm. just because that's her brand. And I feel like so I've been listening to Kim Petras a lot. It's that singer that. She's saying you would recognize it's the songs I play over and over and over and over that you're like you play that all the time. Oh, okay. But you know the ones I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely know the designer clothes one. Okay, and the <laughs> clo- you don't know close your eyes. Um, I mean, I'm sure if you played it, I would. Yeah, you would. I play them all the time. Anyway, Kim Petras zero investment in those songs. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> so they, I feel like. To Kim Petras, they're trying to do an Ariana Grande thing and have like always this one bun on her head. Mm-hmm. 
like a small bun on her head and like making bun head be a thing but like it just feels like they're trying to make fetch happen you know like they're just trying to do some a weird hairstyle to always put on her Hmm. you know she's so good already she doesn't need a weird hairstyle that's she always has i agree i hate that i hate this like one-dimensional brand shit and i know it sells and i hate it but i mean it's a commentary that she's trying to make i think of course the author is yeah I'm glad. I'm glad because I feel like it developed me into this, like trying to see past it. You can more. be aware of it. Yeah, I can be aware and, and see past it at mm-hmm. least. See, like this artist. I think it's good to know that. Yeah, because it's like it, it lets you, as a fan, let artists grow and not be like completely put off by any little change, which is a big problem with stan culture. Mm-hmm. Like they'll turn so quick. If you don't do the same thing over and over. Is that what happened to Taylor Swift when she went 1989? What do you mean? When she went pop. No, I feel like people like that. She, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just know no, if she no, like no. changed her There's brand There's definitely or not. people that do it successfully. And I feel like the way to do it successfully is to have eras, mm-hmm. which is like a big thing now. Like this era, this era, Lady Gaga does it. Everyone does it. David Bowie did it. Yeah. I mean, he it's not like a new like thing, his but eras. I think it's. The only way to be successful and change in as an artist. <laughs> I'm going to get like r- really real here for okay. a minute, but <laughs> I feel talk. like I'm like, I feel like eras are a natural part, at least of my life. Oh, um, same. Me too. Like I'm finding that my identity is sort of shifting, that it kind of changes over uh, periods of time. Of and course. there's like every five to seven years, I sort of re-evolve into a new form. And I think that artistry reflects that oh for sure i agree i just think as an artist you have to be a lot more like obvious and clear about them like that's what i don't like in real life eras are normal and they're changing and they're more fluid and you sort of transition slowly to different ones but But like they're like bright clear markers yeah they have to be like this is the end of the joanne era this picture on instagram is the beginning of the stars born era like it's like it has to be like that and you can't really go back very much unless you're paying tribute. Like in a concert, you're going back to singing Just Dance. And well, I'm excited to go back and see that in January. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's like it, it, as an artist, you have to be very clear and very obvious and not too complex with your brand, which to me is kind of unfortunate, but it's kind of the only way to do it. And she became the Mockingjay. Yeah, she did. So the fire me- helped built her brand so she has that right she has these fire dresses but that's all because of Cinna, her only kind of ally i feel like in mm. this new space so he helps her a lot her fashion designer yeah lenny kravitz yeah played by lenny kravitz <laughs> and she, he makes two dresses for her yeah one when they're introducing all of the players in the hunger games mm-hmm. in the big city capital wide uh, ceremony and then again on air on tv when yeah. they're doing the interview and they do that right that's a talking point because it's important right they show how it was important for them to grab the attention of everybody right off the bat and so when they came in on fire that was yeah. a big attention grabber and then they bring it back up in the interview and he says are you going to do anything like that again do you have any surprises and of course that she does and then she turns she does her spin and the fire just wows everybody and, and so that's her her thing for a little while and then she becomes the mocking jay there's this pin that which in the book it's given to her by the mayor's daughter it's uh, not given to her by her sister which is a lot more meaningful yeah. <laughs> in the movie uh, but, but the pin 
is to represent it, it like has a mascot puts a mascot kind of to the base of her movement mm-hmm. that is sure. starting and well, it's certainly something that snow is picking up on mm-hmm. and very well because she uses them in the games too that's an important moment mm. with rue and all that yeah that birds right right exactly yeah. so they become important so another another important i think plot point or like commentary thing is them using the strategy of a love story, a fake relationship, which is a very common thing in Hollywood. Like it's kind of well known, like the bachelor and bachelorette are all kind of fake. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And they just have a contract. They have to stay a certain amount of months together and then they can go their own ways. You know, it's not the most real love story. And that's a very common practice in Hollywood, having just strategic romances just to build brands i no longer believe any relationship relationship. is authentic (laughs) yeah that where the the they are co-stars and like romantic love interest that's the thing you never see that's this is what gets me suspicious you never see two people that aren't really interested in each other in a show get together Mm -hmm. it's always like the two leads conveniently it's like why they never fall in love with like their brother on the show, like the character's brother on the show or anything like that. There might be some small examples of that, but yeah, but nothing like super well known. Mm-hmm. And there's so many shows that the teen, the the leads are together. Like Glee was like that all the whole time. It, you know, it's it's weird. Hmm. So I'm just always suspicious of any couple that's like very strategic seeming mm-hmm. to me. And this plays in this point in the movie plays into that happening so much in Hollywood. Yeah. So Cadness and Peta, especially Peta, sort of develops the strategy and But do you think that he he well, really he, does have a crush kinda, on her? So he like uses it as an excuse. Right. He kinda does and that's kinda like the mystery. <laughs> and then it oh, <laughs> that never really gets resolved. It does at the very end. Okay. And then does Liam come back? Of course. Okay. They're they they were really trying hard to make it a team Edward, Team Jacob situation, yeah. Team Gail, Team Peta. That was a big deal. Kind of. Not as much Twilight, but like they were trying to match that a little bit. I was Team Peta. <laughs> if anyone cares. Gail was violent and annoying and aggressive later on. <laughs> Truth tea. Peta is sensitive and he bakes, so that's all you need. I want somebody who bakes in my life, definitely. I want someone who bakes in my life. You deserve that. <laughs> I'll fold your laundry. Okay. So that's what's funny to me is that we've talked a lot about the movie and the context of it and very little about the plot and what actually happened. I know we have. I know. But that's okay. I mean, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, we've covered a lot of the important. Yeah. And people know. And I was was touching on the uh, right now we're on the topic of the strategic relationship they cultivate for television and to me it's just like when are they going to do a romantic strategy on drag race yeah that's what you were saying when we were I watching was, it that's gonna like, be the the gag of the season yeah oh i'm so excited that's yeah because that's a whole side that most reality tv shows have some element of that like romantic play. sometimes but it depends like top model can't really there's some occasionally there's like one lesbian in a season but like it's it's very not Zeleni always wants, like, she's always trying to say that it's going to be the big gag when there are two winners announced. And so what if it takes a romantic couple to to push that? So all of a sudden, Rue becomes 
the announcer person is like, no, stop. Uh, <laughs> they're both gonna. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh my god, no. ladies and gentlemen, that the winners. Be, that would be of the gag of the century. Okay. Season twelve, Drag Race. Oh my god, oh, I would die. See, that's what we need. That's the drama. <laughs> oh, see, I'm. Well, just, they'll come around to it. I'm no worse than the capital. Reality TV is always looking for the next big. Especially Rue. Rue's good at that. Yes, it's true. But they should. They should. He's really a trailblazer. Take the hint and make a romance story. Well, maybe you'll get it. And maybe then not. have two winners. Oh. I've been wanting a reality show to crown two winners my whole life. Like yeah. that's. I feel like that's a secret weapon they're holding back until their dying breath. Maybe. <laughs> maybe not though. <laughs> I don't know. To me, and to me, it freaks me out now. Thinking of it in a Hunger Games context where Snow is like, you can't have two winners. That's too much hope. You know, that's too... And, I'm and I like, think that's real. Yeah, I'm like, wait, is that what reality TV is doing? I think so. <sighs> I mean, the whole point of reality TV is to lead up to this one soul. Like, it wouldn't make any sense if there were multiple winners. Why not? It, there would be no incentive to get to the top two because there's not as much value in having a shared title. So it's it would, dumb. I mean, is it to give us no hope? People will work harder if they know that they can have the bragging rights of winning and a hundred thousand dollars than having to say they were one of the winners and $50,000. <laughs> I know, but is there just something so grand? I agree. I also think it's just very American to like think so individualistically, like yeah. in, in the sense of one hero. I mean, Snow was very mad, obviously, yeah. because he wants power and control. He only wants a little hope, a little hope. Like you have this one in a billion chance you can be American Idol. But right. All, all the other people are and screwed. It's, <laughs> we find these uh, parallels uh in reality tv and in something like american idol where uh you know we talk about it thinking about shark tank too how these shows promote the sense that as an american you have the opportunity to go from nothing to everything and that's the that's the entire overarching not everyone not everyone that's the thing they want you to be like i could be that one in a million right oh that's literally panic at the disco lyrics I could beat that one in the million. Something like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Zelenia will find that song and plug it in here. Uh, <laughs> well, um, is there anything else that you want to cover that you um, haven't mentioned yet? Taylor Swift won a Grammy <laughs> for her song from this What? She wrote movie. a song for this movie? Yeah. And I was so annoyed because so I was reading the research and they were like, Safe and Sound won. And I was like, Capital Cities, you know. Oh, right. Safe and yeah, Sound. Yeah, right. That one. And then... No, it's Taylor Swift dumb like lullaby. Oh, so you're saying, oh, that's the you know I have a thing about this is that you should never title a song after another like popular famous song. Yeah, because it gets like confusing it. and it's it does yeah. it dims you know yeah especially around the same time like if it was an eighty song right you know but no Arcade Fire composed the national anthem of Pan Am. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's that's it's, nice it's pretty random. Trivia. Yeah, it's. They're an indie. I think Hans Zimmer did the score. No. No. No, someone else. Okay, never mind. It's very feminist. I didn't even think about that because so many of the books I used to read were female leads, but 
I didn't realize this is a kind of a different genre because it's a sci-fi adventure or whatever sci-fi action and it's very very rare for a woman to be the lead mm. uh, in this genre you would like alien is it Sir, Sir, what's her name sigourney <laughs> sigourney sigourney <laughs> sigourney sigourney weaver she's iconic she is and I'm yeah scared, i think though. she's I heard, probably the person that ushered in yeah um, i heard i would be too scared of that movie someone told it's me. terrifying oh, I can't watch that. <laughs> it's 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 a great movie. Literally the first and the second one. I've I've been wanting to watch Aliens, uh, rewatch it, but uh the first movie I rewatched oh. recently and it's it's freaking scary and Sigourney holds it down as a very strong female lead in that movie. Yeah. For I, sci-fi. I mean, I know she's she's huge. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's pretty rare regardless of Sigourney Weaver still to have a right. lead sci-fi action star. So, that's cool. Natalie Portman kind of did it with Annihilation. Yeah. That was a big deal because it was a lot of women. Remember? Yeah. I remember that was like... Sadly, that movie was kind of a flop. Yeah. I heard it wasn't super uh, clear or something. Hmm. I mean, I I feel like I remember reading that it was like not a bad movie. Like it was okay. Oh, it was pretty good. We but should watch it. It's on Netflix. Yeah. I just heard I would also be scared of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Probably. all of these I would be scared of. I remember of. the trailer kind of scared me. Yeah. I, it kind of confused it, it me, made too. me It intrigued me, though. Yeah. I also like Gina Rodriguez was in that. Oh. She's uh, Jane the Virgin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, I Volunteer's Tribute is an iconic line. Still, uh, sometimes. That's right. Like, a meme. Like, now, if there's a hot guy or something. R- <laughs> 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 that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a very, like, either girls or Broad City type of joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. Oh, girl. I thought you meant all girls. No, like, in I general. mean the show. Oh. Yeah, I don't know the truth. Okay, so <laughs> what? Explain to me what the. <laughs> what are you doing? I can't do it. Have, he's signaling is it? Is a it? gun sign up in the air. What? I don't. It's three fingers. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. So that. Oh, one. that one. Yeah. Uh. It just means respect. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought it meant like uh, solidarity. Same thing, kind of. Just <laughs> yeah. like it's like a sign that you know I'm a rebel, you're a rebel. No, no, type no. Of thing. Oh. That's kind of later. It's more like an old sign of like respect and solidarity. That's a good okay. way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that it's it's just a sign that right. It's what Snow does not want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right when he sees that, he's seeing communication happening. Yeah. And leadership and and a rebellion potentially. Yeah, for sure. So and there's uprising. a big, There's a big rebellion actual moment when Rue dies, of course. Mm. Um, in District Eleven. Right. So we get hints of that. Right. They start to yeah. tear up the district and and riot, and that becomes back full circle i think pretty seriously in the sequel for sure mm-hmm. where um, they've kind of locked down things a little more yeah can you do the whistle no <laughs> i can't i can't see i can't whistle you can't whistle no i can only do one <laughs> oh no tonal range yeah no I, i'm not good at music dang sorry um but yeah those notes are just the notes they use in mm. the in the games i don't know whatever it is um so was the hunger games ever a video game well minecraft you can can say for sure okay so i am (laughs) hungercraft i'm obsessed with watching hungercraft videos and can you explain it for somebody who has never heard of it oh it's just like 
Hunger, Hunger Games, Games meets Minecraft. In Minecraft. Yeah. yeah. You play with other online players. And, and there's a whole thing on YouTube. It's a it's thing dead to, though. Right. So it, it doesn't died. exist anymore, but there are old streaming videos it, of it. For sure. It died from lack of funding, whatever uh, that means. <laughs> and I was upset. It's, I feel like Hungercraft literally cured my depression sometimes. That's very interesting. Yeah. To play it or to watch it? To watch it. Yeah. I never played it because I can't figure out Minecraft coding bullshit mm. <laughs> it's hard i think servers stuff like that words words like that <laughs> <laughs> it's hard it's not it's no Fortnite. Fortnite's so easy to jump in it is so they've made it very easy yeah so minecraft hunger games i used to watch a lot of playthrough of that and it, it's the best and i think survival games died but then it was called minecraft survival games that's the official term because mm. they can't say hunger right. games. But now we're in the era of Fortnite, which is a very similar concept. But right. there's guns, so that's kind of the least Hunger Gamesy part, but also what makes it super huge. Yeah. Because I mean, you have gun to take a popular, popular yeah, yeah. Uh, first-person shooter yeah. style. Yeah, and it's an it's similar in the sense you have to gather your materials right. and, and kind of scavenge. Yeah, for sure, and kill other people and all that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting. It's a, it makes for a good video game. It's just this is like video games gone too far. Yeah. Warning. <laughs> I want to talk about one thing that's in the books that's not in the movies that's really scary. Oh, what's that? <laughs> to end it up because it's it's in our climax. Uh huh. So it has to do with the dogs. Remember the dogs? I do. They send them sort of in the way the storm works in Fortnite to gather everyone together to... Push them towards the middle. To grand finale, the whole thing, you know. (laughs) So in the book, these dogs weren't just standard old dogs like in the the movie. Were they genetically modified? Of course. But they were... So basically what each dog was a tribute that had died in those games... Um, and like the color of the dog was like the hair color of the the tribute and they had the exact eyeballs of the humans that died. So like there was a Rue one and there was like everyone. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even know how you would do that. I don't either. Yeah. But they have sci-fi technology, you know? Yeah. I don't think it was necessary for the movie because that's too much to explain. Right. But it could, they could have nodded to it without saying i don't know i i feel like that was an important scary thing because it was like looking you're looking into the eyes of of, the people you killed yeah or yeah killing you potentially eating your right face off so that's scary yeah that's terrifying yeah that's like one of my biggest fears of ways of dying which i don't i hope doesn't happen to me by beast by being eaten oh that's so scary (laughs) like that's the worst yeah. Way, because it's slow oh, and painful. Well, Katniss kills Kato, like that way, throwing him stop. to the dogs. Well, no, they, he falls to. The, well, yeah, they throw him, I guess, but <laughs> she kills him quick with an arrow. Right. To like to end the pain. Yeah. Yeah, because ugh, I know, just. Oh, scary! It's a gruesome ending. Ugh. But yeah, in the book, it's so much scarier because it's like they have human eyes. It's creepy as hell. It is. And then so suddenly the dogs disappear when right. they're satisfied. And now 
it's up to the final two. So what they're, uh, the important part is that they change the rules for a short period of time. They yeah. say, uh, no, it's not subtle at all about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a suspension in the rules, deciding that one winner now multiple winners could win. Um, and then at the very end, when there are two final people, they say, um, the rule allowing two people has now been lifted and yeah, there can only be one winner. It's way too unsubtle. Yeah. That's a little too much. So it's really clever, right? They want to give them a show. So they find these old berries that one of the uh, tributes had fallen poisoned to and died. And they decide to use these berries to kill themselves in a Romeo and Juliet type style. And seeing this, they realize that this would defeat the entire purpose of the Hunger Games because there needs to be a winner for hope. And so he has to make a quick judgment call. And okay, yeah, so he lets two people win, but then he ends up having to eat the berries at the end himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't come back in any of the sequels. No, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually not in the book at all. He's yeah. only mentioned, because we are, we're in Katniss' perspective, he's only mentioned rec- retroactively in the sequels as like that he got killed for that well this is sort of uh way backtracking but one of my favorite uh scenes is when she's auditioning with the bow and arrow for the potential sponsors and then she shoots it into the apple that the pig is gets their attention yeah i just love that scene it's It's a good one it's a good good moment Mm -hmm. it's really cool in the books too i also like in the sequels they really they try to use a wedding as like a big publicity mm. tool and i'm just like mm, kardashians who wow <laughs> well, royal <so>. wedding who <laughs> cool um i guess what's your final grade uh, it's hard because i have different thoughts on the book versus the movie oh i well book aside okay book aside Hikey book club <laughs> final grade a minus oh is still the story is still there so like i still yeah. have to judge it include the points for the story sure i'm gonna give it an a okay yeah an a because it has i would definitely give the book high an rewatch a plus. value for me <sighs> not for me um and well maybe not like i wouldn't rewatch it over and over it has but, high reread value oh yeah i mean i like coming back to it and it's not loaded with cgi which it's mm-hmm. really easy to make a movie like this get loaded with cgi so yeah. i appreciate that and as a traditionalist and and it was shot on film um but the acting for the most part on the whole is fairly compelling um and there are a couple of standout supporting roles um that help me and like you said the story is there uh the story is really great and by the you know last shot i was hooked and i wanted to see the sequel immediately yeah makes sense well they tell her they need they tell her you Image tells you better play down now. That's your that's your brand, and that's the least threatening at this point because that two winners thing is way too threatening. Mm. So she has to like really play it dumb and play the love card to save their asses. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Because they really invested at this point. Well, so that's it, Mm -hmm. and. Thank you so much for listening. We know that yeah. this has been a really long episode, but it's a huge concept and we had a lot to share. Yeah. Both of us with personal <laughs> stories and feelings about it. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> if you have any thoughts, email us at hikeybookclub at gmail.com or follow us on our social medias at hikeybookclub. And next week we'll probably be covering Harry Potter and the Prisoner, Prisoner of Azkaban. Azkaban. 
And we had a lot of feelings. So we watched it today. We did. And, and we're excited. We covered the first two Harry Potters already. Mm-hmm. Those if you want to go back and listen. That's and right. We're in we'll the previous episodes. Keep trudging along as I read the books. I finally finished reading the books. If oh, gosh. Wants... We're going to have to wait like two months for Goblet no, of Fire. No, Goblet of Fire is my favorite, though. So, so it'll, it'll speed through. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. It's also the Switch, you know. It's keeping me entertained. <laughs> Do you skip chapters because you've already read it sometimes? Not no. chapters. Not chapters, but like, I'm sorry, but paragraphs? No. No? Okay. How dare you? Oh, gosh. Okay. Stop. <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor when you'll be hearing from us.